0: To the Data Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony J. Algman. Data is everywhere in our businesses and it takes leadership to make the most of it. We bring you the people, stories, and lessons to help you become a data leader. We've partnered with Dataversity to provide listeners with 20% off your first training center purchase with promo code AlgmanDL. Go to dataleadershiptraining.com to learn more. Today on episode 66, we welcome James Fair. James is a senior vice president for Executech With over 35 years of experience in IT, 30 years in leadership, and a dozen years in the interpersonal workspace, James combines his love for IT and cybersecurity, along with his passion for leadership development. James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Anthony. It's a
1: pleasure to be here. An honor.
0: So like we do with all our first-time guests, why don't you just take a moment and tell the audience a bit more about your career before Executech and how those experiences led you to doing what you do now?
1: sure um so i'm i'm an old guy so i go way back um when i first started tech actually uh, a friend of mine got an atari 2600 the old school cartridge type you know atari and i went home and told my parents "Man, i want one of those and plus my parents they are they're a little controlling so they're like no we're not we're not giving you the game console so you can just veg out they bought me the atari 800s. So that was my first computer it had a popping 48K of RAM for the technical people in the group. Um, And it ran off cassette tapes, actually. So it was like one of those things you turn it on. Yeah, it wasn't like your stuff was there when you turn it on. You turn it on, you stuck in a cassette tape, and you loaded it for the next half an hour or so. Hope it didn't mess up. Um, And that was kind of how I got started. I I decided we were in a bookstore, and I saw a book that said, Teach Yourself the Basic Programming Language. And I convinced my mother to let me buy that book, and I taught myself the basic programming language. So I kind of dove into computers at, that was 16 um, at 18. They bought the, they, the IBM PC was super expensive. So they bought the IBM PC junior kind of a strip, mm-hmm. you know, tech toned down model of that. Uh-huh. And I dove into that thing for like, I don't know, a year. No one saw me for like a year. I went to this cave and I came out uh, having mastered DOS and, and the PC platform. Um, that's how I got to tech really uh, leadership for me was a different story. I, I had this weird thing happen to me as a kid. I had this flash of insight. I was thinking about, I was reading a book about leadership, about a leader. It was a fictional book, but it was still a cool story. And I was thinking about that and I had this flash of, I don't know what you want to call it like this foresight. And I got the message, I guess we'll call it that I was going to lead people one day. And as a kid, this scared me. I was like, yeah, there's no way. I cannot see the bridge from where I am to leading people. There is no way. Um, But I was pretty convinced of it. So when I turned 18, I I, I was pretty self-assured about this. And I convinced a lady who owned an Arctic Circle to let me manage her Arctic Circle. That was my first leadership experience. And I, I was terrible. I bombed that job so badly. <laughs> um, turns out that uh, that believing you could do leadership or you know having a knack for leadership isn't the same thing as having the skills to do it. Um, so I didn't last too long at that job. I went back to working for other people for a while um and then i got a job for a film company and it was just me and another guy and a, and a manager and this was i mean <laughs> i was so excited for this job and the guy was i don't know i don't want to bash this man too bad but it was like i wanted to light myself on fire after a few days working for this guy it was terrible he was he was the mic i mean the ultra micro manager like you didn't touch anything i do it all i take all the credit you do all the work uh it was brutal and uh this went on for about a year and a half. I put up with this rather like a dictator. I mean, that's the best way to put it. And one day he decided that he he wanted a raise and he didn't get a raise. And so he thought he was, he's going to show the company. And he said, that's it. I'm going to go home for two weeks. You tell me when you want me back. And so for two weeks, my partner and I at, at work, uh, we just got crazy busy. And we fixed all the things that were broken. We learned all the things we needed to learn. And a couple of weeks went by and he called him up and said, all right, you ready to, you know, give me my raise and have me back yet. And they said, no, thanks. You could just stay gone. (laughs) And uh, not long after that, I got offered the management position and I've been in management ever since then. So uh, that's how I got started.
0: That's awesome. And and I just, as you were telling your story, I'm like, what, my own journey to leadership. I just think about those early days and the word that comes to mind is cringy. Cringy was how I would describe my early attempts at leadership, but you, you learn from your mistakes and you, you move on and you get better and you, you find, you find the the path forward, but I I definitely can, um, can appreciate it. So, so tell me a little bit about then your, your role today. What is it that, that you do and what is it that Executech does?
1: Yeah, so um, I mean, I don't want to give you the sales pitch, but Executech is an award-winning IT service provider. Uh, we do IT support and cybersecurity and cloud services. And our 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 biggest come from is that uh, people first is our biggest company value. So it's not just some uh, super arrogant IT person who's going to tell you how things are. We realize that business uh, IT exists because of business, so we're going to send you someone who's personable and, you know, dedicated to your company's success is really what it's all about for us. So we position, uh, typically our market is the folks that know they need it support, but can't afford a full-time it person They contract with us to come in and take care of all their it. So we consider ourselves an it outsourced department really. So you,
0: are you targeting like more
1: small and mid-sized businesses? Yeah. SMB market yeah. is typically, yeah. We do some backstop for some larger clients and we do, we have multiple consultants at some bigger clients. But our our niche really is in the SMB space for sure. Awesome. So um, so
0: what what is your role at, at, at Executech then?
1: Yeah. So I am now Senior Vice President at Executech. So uh, I take over all technical, I, I am over rather, uh, all technical services for Utah. So anything to do with techs or procedures or challenges or clients, um, that's under my purview. So it's all my fault, <laughs> which I'm okay with. I, I love that part.
0: So there's a lot of things that we can talk about today, but I feel like what's top of mind and has been top of mind for the better part of the last couple of years uh, is is the pandemic. I mean, we're recording this in in January of twenty twenty two. The pandemic is still very much here, Um, and I have to imagine you've been doing this uh, this kind of work for for a while. What has the pandemic caused you to do differently or how have you had to change your business or have you had to change your business in any way as a result of of the pandemic
1: yeah i mean early on it was a big shift to working from home right there was this huge scramble everyone sent everybody home to work so we had this massive uptake in this backlog of buying vpn licenses everybody needed to jump on a virtual private network from home um so it was uh, ramping up internet speeds getting new firewalls that could support that many new users from home and preparing users to be able to work in a secure environment at home. So that was a big part of it. Um, you know, even now there's some companies are back in the office, but many are still in the work from home environment. So another shift has been, how do we secure the environment as if they were at the office, even though they're not at the office? Mm -hmm. Um, some of that's been solved with, uh, virtualization, of course, so we have uh, virtual desktops now where you, doesn't matter really what device you use, you can connect to your desktop as a, as a, you know, you call it, uh, in the cloud. And so you're working on a machine, a virtual machine in the cloud. Therefore there's really, there's not any real connection between your computer or whatever device you're using. And this work computer, uh, makes it more secure. Nothing's passed over the network, that kind of a thing. Um, that's been a big push, uh, I don't know if it was because of the pandemic. It was happening anyway. We were seeing a big push to out of the server room and into the cloud, uh, Azure, AWS. Right, everyone's kind of moving away from the traditional server room in, in the in the office type environment to cloud-based. Um, you don't have to worry about power or internet or uh, upgrades or it breaking. Right, there's just they just move it to a new uh, host machine and you're back up and running pretty quickly. So. Um, a lot of versatility has been offered now in the cloud that didn't exist in, in the past.
0: And, and the cloud is, is a interesting dynamic, which was really taken hold over the last we'll call it 10 years or so more than that, I guess, 15 years. Um, and with the cloud has come an just proliferation of these as a service type offerings, right. And, and where Especially when I think about small and and medium-sized businesses, you know, there's all of this, you know, abstraction from the underlying infrastructure that we used to have to contend with. We would buy servers and we'd install applications and software on them and then, you know, provide access to them. And, you know, that that client-server model, it's it's all kind of… Evolved and to your earlier point you, you don't, we don't have that infrastructure, um, you know, direct even line of sight anymore. Certainly not the, the responsibility of, of managing, you know, the, the physical machines, but there is a lot of configuration and, and, you know, challenges from, from that standpoint, um, how does a small business, I guess the question that I want to ask is how does a small business know. Hey, it's time to recognize we need some dedicated technology help um, versus just subscribing to services that allow them to do whatever it is from their their QuickBooks accounting to, you know, some of their... Um, you know, productivity tools and, and things like that, it, it that only gets you so far. And I imagine most organizations that are not already in the information technology space, um, you know, may have a different dynamic there that they're considering versus those that tend to be full of high tech people that are creating software as a business or something like that.
1: Sure, uh, it's kind of hard to answer as a you know a generic as a general rule. It really depends on the industry. You know, we've seen construction companies who were typically much later to to come on board with that than a development mm-hmm. software development company, for instance. You pointed out. Um, I think when number one, security is a big part of what we do every day now. So. I think that part alone—it's very tough for uh, someone in finance or someone who's already wearing four hats—to also try to put on an IT cybersecurity hat and protect the organization. So, as much as I, you know, I'd love to say keep bolting things on. At some point, you need to bring in an expert and at least assess your environment. Um, if you don't bring on someone on a regular basis, bring in someone to assess your your situation, your environment. And make sure you're set up for success, you're set up for success in the long term, make sure you're going to be able to, I, I'm all about helping companies survive incidents, whether that's a, a physical incident, like an earthquake, or an attack, um, like a cybersecurity incident, like a, you know, a cyber attack of some kind or ransomware, we hope no one ever gets out again. But that does seem to be a prevailing reality these days. So I would say bring in someone to at least assess your situation, even if you aren't looking to bring someone on on a regular basis, but um, I think we typically see it about the 15 to 20 users, sometimes as low as 10 users. They really need some support. It's not enough to try to everyone try to figure it out or try to make it work. Um, and you really can actually save money if you bring someone in who's, who's experienced at this, who can point you in the right direction. Who can, who's, you know, someone like an executech or, or any other MSP who deals in this space all the time. And is familiar with all different players can really recommend a product that's going to work for you rather than you having to go do the research and and guess and doing a best case, you know, guess at that. Um, But generally speaking, I'd say 10 to 15, certainly at 20 users, you're probably already looking that you need to bring somebody in and at the point where, yeah, if we got ransomware, it would, it would take us down. That's when you want to bring in someone to take a look at your environment and make sure you're set up for success and that you're going to survive any kind of incidents that arise. That's just super important. I, I, it's hard, it's broken my heart a few times to see companies, you know, call us up and they say, you know, our we can't get any of our Excel files and all everything's had this weird extension on it and we got this note that says pay, and I say, you know, I ask them, well, do you have backups? And they say, well, not really, and that's an ugly conversation because at that point it's a conversation of well, you know, how much your, how much is your data worth? And I, I don't want I don't want anyone to have to pay these bad guys. You know, stop funding these people. That would help a great deal. So I want to help companies never experience that. If and, and I mean that's not, not that's a wishful thinking, but that'd be my preference if I can help it.
0: Yeah, the ransomware is is what terrifies me more than anything is as when I put my small business owner hat on, Um, you know, because it's not just a technology challenge like that's what. I think a lot of less technical business owners may not recognize is that fundamentally ransomware doesn't just attack technology. Oftentimes it's your people and the way they're using that technology that open the door for the the ransomware attacks to take hold. And, and that um, is a really difficult thing to get out in front of. And so the minimum is to have, you know, the right kind of backup strategy, the right kind of data protection strategy, whereas if or when. You are subject to some sort of ransomware attack. You have outs, you have an ability to go back to data that's disconnected from that encryption um, protocol that the the attackers are using Um, It may not give you back everything, but it may give you options that you wouldn't have if you hadn't taken that that action on because that's that can be devastating to to a small business. Um, you know, it's 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 really it's a it's a sad state that this is something that we have to worry about. But. It's, it's one more in a long list of things that we would prefer not to have to worry about that we have to worry about. I'll, I'll add yeah. taxes and, to that list as well.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's worse because like here I, I'm in Salt Lake city. So the university of Utah here got hit by ransomware and they did everything right. They, they responded correctly. They had an incident response plan in place. They took action immediately. They stopped the attack. They, they had backups that restored the data and it wasn't enough because now they're also exfiltrating your data. And then threatening to sell that data online. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's, that's been the, they keep ratcheting this thing up. Every time we get better at it, they find another way to to level this thing up. And so they ended up paying the ransom, not because they couldn't get the data back, but because they wanted to ensure student data wasn't released to the, to the general public. So Uh that's another fear factor, unfortunately, that's playing out here
0: yeah I mean that's that's a whole nother layer is that data privacy and and the rules around that and the potential fines i mean you're going to to you know make available data that you didn't want to do that if the ransomwares take that and sell that then you have to trust that the ransomwares uh the ransom uh folks are not going to still sell that data if you pay them off and then right either way if you end up having a breach like that you could be subject to additional fines and other penalties or what have you the best option is to get in front of it before that problem occurs. And so I, I yeah. definitely hear you on that. And I really think that any business that is doing anything with technology, which has gotta be pretty much every single business out there at this point. Pretty much everybody, um, yeah. <laughs> you at least need to, to have an understanding of, of what that is. And and I get like not every business is going to be able to go and hire an MSP and be able to provide all of those things, but there's gotta be some things that. Even the a micro scale business of a person who's doing, you know, contracting work as a, as a, you know, gig worker, are there's gotta be some things that that they should know. What, what do you, what would you advise somebody who's doing that? Especially today? I think there's a lot of people that have entered that gig economy where they're like, hey, I can do these things on my own. What should they know about IT security and, and kind of protecting themselves from, you know, the, the worst of it?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my suggestion is always that security should be in layers. Um, the more layers we can put in place, the better. You know, the better your chances of uh, of surviving an attack or making it harder for the attackers to reach you. Um, uh, it's a terrible analogy, but if there are two two cars that are the same out there, one has an alarm and one does not, the thieves are going after the one without the alarm. So we want to put on as many alarms and layers and locks and things as possible. Um, Some bare minimums are, you know, you need antivirus these days. And if your files are stored, uh, critical files, financial files are stored locally, then please get some kind of an anti-ransomware product. Uh, There are a couple out there right right now, I don't need to name names, but um, there are some very effective anti-ransomware products. And they're not... We're a little different from antivirus. Antivirus is like someone gets attacked and then we write a signature that matches that, that executable and we send it out to everybody so that everyone has that that signature and can block it. But anti-ransomware uh, is more behavioral-based. So it's looking for actions like encrypting files and these kind of things and then blocking that. So it doesn't have to have every single variant out there already saved in its database in order to prevent them. Uh, it's been very effective. We've seen it save lots and lots of clients many, many times. Um, so please get some kind of an anti-ransomware product. Even if it's a bit more of an expense than you were anticipating, it is absolutely worth it because you do not want to be in the in that situation where you're having to, uh, you know, pay or not pay. Um, go ahead, Can Andy.
0: I ask you, I want to ask you a, a ridiculous yeah. question that just came to mind <laughs> that I don't know okay. that I've ever had anyone ask or I've, I've ever read the answer to can i outsmart the whole system by not using computers and just running my business from an ipad pro could i do that would that work
1: <laughs> um I'll, I'll, let's go with probably um <laughs> really I know, you know quickbooks doesn't only runs on the ipad pro but if you're okay with the spreadsheet um then you know your, your email is still subject to just, At that point, just be super careful, please, because you are the weakest point in, in the whole chain at that point. If someone breaks into your account and you get your credentials, then you're in a world of hurt. (laughs) Um <laughs>
0: yeah, if you're backing uh, up everything to like iCloud or, or what have you, like the technology right. around you is probably pretty secure, pretty good. But yeah, you yeah. you quickly become the that weakest link. Uh, right. uh I imagine. But but there is so there is something to that though. If you're operating in a in a controlled environment where there's no kernel level access, there every application is is somewhat standalone, you get yourself a, a password management tool and you manage most functions through as a service offering through a, a mobile device versus a um, you know a PC or a laptop that at least offers some level of protection is what I'm hearing. I, I imagine we were not. Yeah. We, neither of us want to go out on a limb and say yes. This is the answer for all your data security <laughs> needs. <Grab> a notepad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah,
1: um, but you know they, yeah. the most unfortunately security and ease of use tend to be at opposite ends of the spectrum. Right. Mm-hmm. The the most secure server is the one that's unplugged, sitting in the middle of the server room. It's just not very useful. Um, and, and the most security we can put in place is having retina scans and password scans and multi-factor authentication and all these things, but it becomes cumbersome. So the, the idea is to find somewhere in between that you can juggle this thing. Um, yeah, we could all go back to, to legal pads and that would probably stop the attackers for a while, but even your iPads attached to the internet and you're using email and you're saving things to, to a cloud-based system. And they're trying to figure out how to attack those cloud-based systems. Now, Mm -hmm. um, we have a a belief, a perspective that anything you stick in the cloud is safe and good to go forever. Uh, But there have certainly been uh, incidents in the past where that's not been true. If someone can steal your admin credentials, they can log into your cloud account and infect those those files and delete those files. So we actually do recommend backing up the cloud backups, unfortunately.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've come to realize that I have a problem when it comes to backing things up and that I am on the other end of the spectrum where I'm like you know it's not enough to have the local backup and the actual on disk backup but then I've got the extra external drive and then I've got the the Google drive but I should also have it on iCloud like I've got so many backups (laughs) then I end up getting confused and accidentally deleting something I needed that didn't exist anymore like that's where again the human becomes the problem here because you create this (laughs) crazy ecosystem around yourself and, and that's my problem is like I've got too many drives and too many computers and too many devices, but it's um. I imagine most <laughs> people are on the side of they just do their work and 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 think oh it's there's backups here. I see the the iCloud backup is happening. Um, that'll be fine, you know, and and that's probably not fine. You probably need to to know a little bit more. Um, yeah. One of the items and in, and in, and in kind of our our prep uh, that that came up in in that discussion is that you talk about how you can leverage th- these cybersecurity tools to cut your costs. And so to actually have lower costs, can you talk about how that all shakes out? What is that What does that statement actually mean?
1: Well, if you imagine that you're gonna have to hire a cybersecurity expert to come in and audit you periodically, and you don't really know what tool to grab, so you may end up with three backups and two antivirus programs and a couple other things, Hiring an expert to come in periodically and audit your environment and say, you, you've got too many tools, you don't need this one, you do need this one, um, this is in excess. Or you only need to enable the advanced features on your server where your files are kept, because if your workstation gets infected, then we can wipe it out and, re- and reinstall it pretty quickly. Um, that's a big part of it. Or you don't end up taking your, I don't want to bash any local you know groups, but let's say you take your computer to a local group and they end up with it for days. Well, you're down for days. Mm-hmm. So can, can we actually prevent that? Um, and I actually recommend replacing hardware periodically. Most environments are smaller environments. They want to wait till things completely break until they replace it. But mm-hmm. if we know the age, approximate age of things and how long they're going to last and we can replace it ahead of time, we may have saved, or, saved ourselves a ton of money in downtime by not experiencing that downtime and just eating the cost of it instead. So that's just yeah. a few ways I can think of. Uh, building out an incident response plan. So that in the, and hopefully it never happens to anyone, but in the event of a, some kind of a breach or some kind of a, a physical, um, you know, attack, then you already know what to do. You, the, mm-hmm. the, the things are already in place. You're not spinning your wheels. You're not waiting for things to happen. You've got ideas, concepts, contacts, everything all ready to go and you've practiced it. So you know what to do.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and having a plan at all like a disaster recovery plan or just a an, an awareness that hey i should be doing some backups i should be doing some things that goes a long way like we talked about it. it gives you options it gives you avenues where you don't know if you'll be ever subject to a ransomware attack but you will likely have hardware go bad at some point or you'll you right. may have something where they've changed a service or that something accidentally got deleted i mean that that, you know i'll never forget the time that um my wife said i think i might have just deleted all of our photos and i was like oh no i, I i'm pretty sure you have it and then i went and looked on the computer and i'm like wow what you happened really and, and it was it was we had deleted them all and then it, it, it like is are you sure and then we're like yes oh. and, and then she's like well then i went to the trash and deleted all of that and i'm like oh. i'm like so she's like but it was it was causing problems or whatever i'm like well first of all i have like three backups still so we're good yeah. don't worry about okay. that <laughs> but it was one of those things where because the way that it communicated way the way the machine because it was actually very reasonable i saw the steps that she had gone through i saw what what had happened and what she had been trying to do because she was she was doing some reorganization she was doing some you know oh, adjustment yeah. and there was a Clean bunch of like and... duplicate copies and there was a bunch of like noise and the tools that she was working with were not well equipped to the kind of cleaning up process. They were equipped to the set it and forget it and don't mess with it type of approach. But she wanted things a certain way, which most of us often do. So it really wasn't sure. her fault, but it was one of those things where for for an hour there, she was very concerned that she lost all of our kids' photos and, and all of that. Oh. And that's terrifying. And fortunately, yeah. we were able to to restore it. And I, you know, in... Most of my life, to be totally fair, I am not the biggest fan of Microsoft because they cause me a lot of problems. <laughs> and there's a lot of things that are features that I don't think are particularly good features. But in that yeah. circumstance, the Windows backup had a pristine mm. copy of the photos where I had other copies of the photos, but they weren't like lost a little metadata or they weren't quite up to date or what have you. I will give Windows backup credit that it saved it, replaced it with 100% accuracy and we were very happy. So for all of my Microsoft bashing that I've done throughout my life, Microsoft aces on that one. You 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 took it you, you <laughs> knocked it out of the park on on the the photo uh, destruction attempt that that we had. had. But <laughs> That's it, I mean, a good that, story. It wasn't a hacker, it wasn't a you know a, a, right. a ransomware attack. It was just us trying to clean up some photos and that can lead inadvertently to a bunch of things and and layers of defense ended up making it so that it was no problem at all. And and it's that mentality of having that um You know, those backups where you say, hey, most of the nonsense on that computer, old software or whatever, I don't care about it all. But the photos that is our most precious data in the business of my family, family photos were the were the data to protect in that circumstance. And I think that's another important lesson as well. For anybody who's out there it's like don't try to necessarily protect every bit of data you have at the same level recognize what's most important what's most mission critical and maybe make that third or fourth backup with those versus <laughs> everything so that yeah. you can have that that vault level copy of the things that are truly most important and again it's just more layers of is more options for you to have
1: yep and we certainly encourage online backups cloud-based backups of some kind because fire flood theft things happen physically in the environment you know flash drives fail so as much as i encourage local backups i really want to take it to the next level and make sure you've got some kind of cloud-based backups and another thing to, to check is periodically check them it's not sufficient to just this is not a fire and forget solution where you turn it on and you, and everything's good to go test it once in a while Um, it's kind of scary how often we'll go into a new environment and we'll do a restore and find that we can't restore because the last backup was six months ago. And suddenly they're like, Whoa, hang on. So please, please, please test your backups. If you do not hire an IT professional to come in, test your own periodically, make sure you can actually get the files back and you can go back to working. um, Should something go awry?
0: Yeah, that, that is absolutely great advice. And then I would also add to that is keep notes, on what you've done and that that's something that i haven't done and that's what's caused me confusion of the backups that i was taking because at the time i'm like oh i'll remember this i know i have a terrible memory (laughs) and i'm still like oh i'll remember this no i'm not going to remember i'm going to forget by tomorrow and i did (laughs) and i and i then lost my backups it had some some problems there so but yeah definitely try to keep good records so that you have that uh, approach. And, you know, in, in larger businesses, I mean, we've gotten sophisticated enough now that we actually do things like a blue-green release strategy where we're actually bouncing between two environments where they're always up to date. And we'll do, nice. uh, you know, updates on one and then we'll move over to the other and we'll hot swap them. And, and and that's where, you know, thinking of things like, you know, the old Chaos Monkey from um, Netflix is a great example of where they actually built in a way to try to cause problems so that they built a stronger, more resilient architecture. And that's the thing nice. that I think from a um a philosophical point of view is, is very useful for everyone out there is that you don't want to prepare as if it's going to happen in a way you can predict and you don't want to create something that's very fragile you want something that is moldable something that bends and doesn't break and that's what that that chaos monkey what netflix would do they would create these applications that would um, shut down servers and they would just randomly cause chaos cut off networks and but they created then a more resilient platform that now when you know 200 million people want to watch movies on a friday night all of a sudden in the same time window n- very rarely does it all crash anymore and it, it right. took time to get to that point and most of our organizations are never going to be that sophisticated but the philosophical lesson there i think is great is to say okay things are going to break in ways we can't predict let's try to build some muscle memory let's try to go through some training and see what happens if we do have some some challenges and learn from those things that do happened, because the things that have happened are much more likely to happen again than things that you can predict otherwise.
1: Yeah, and I would even encourage you to adopt that in your cybersecurity cyber cybersecurity perspective, the philosophy, um, because too often we're all concerned about preventing the attack from happening. And that's a, don't get me wrong. That's a great stance. But. The truth is there's probably an eventuality to this um, for most organizations. So rather than or not instead of, but in addition to what do we do when it happens, not just how do we stop it from happening, but what do we do should it happen? That's, uh, that's a new perspective. I think we all need to make sure we accept um, a little more than we are currently.
0: Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. And we've we've touched on a bunch of things that are like good ideas to think about. And this, this whole episode's probably been a little bit overwhelming for folks because we've jumped into some different directions or, or what have you. Can you talk a bit about the process that you take in assessing a, a client organization or how how might a uh, business go through the process of breaking some of these challenges down into figuring out, OK, how do we go from where we are today, where we've kind of had an ostrich strategy of let's just pretend this problem doesn't exist to a more aware and prepared um, footprint and, and strategy where we have those layers of protection that, that we're talking about. What does that journey really look like?
1: Yeah, I, the, it starts with assessing your current environment. So it's really important you know where all the pieces are, how they, how they connect, how they interact. So some kind of a network diagram along with knowing all of your current assets. That's really what I would start with. And then knowing where your data assets are, particularly the, the critical ones, the financial ones, the, the ones that the company cannot do without. Where are those? How are they being managed? How, how are they being accessed? And then what can we do to protect them even further? Um, incident response plans, I really believe, it depends on the size of the organization, right? Small organizations is going to be probably one poor person having to take this all on. But in some of the larger ones, you want to make sure you're splitting those roles up. You know, who's going to be in charge of the whole thing? Who's going to run point on this? Who's going to be the person who takes care of the PR aspects of this? Um, And then I also recommend having contacts built out ahead of time so that you're prepared for this. Uh, Law enforcement, legal, maybe hopefully you never need it, but a forensics team, uh, cybersecurity insurance, credit monitoring or fraud remediation. And then worst case scenario, some kind of a a negotiator. Hopefully you never have to reach that point. Um, and then you really want to split it up into detection and analysis, right? How do we, how do we detect something going on in the network? How do we know what it is when, when something breaks, how do we restore from it? Would be the second part of it. Um, how do we preserve our data? That's, you know, another part of it. How, how do we monitor that data and make sure it's not being attacked or changed or n- modified? Um, notification, I'm kind of doing this randomly. Sorry, not necessarily in order, um, notification guidelines, who do we notify? When? Based on what? Um, and then afterward, get together and do some uh, updates to the plan. Right. So you're going to put together an initial plan. You're going to go test it. Like, go unplug your internet. Go power off your server. Go pull the plug on something. See what breaks. Watch everyone respond. Make sure you know. I mean, it's been a controlled environment. And you can even tabletop this for the first time. Let's 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 simulate what this would, what would, what would be like. And then each person gets to play their role. We see how it plays out and then get back together again and modify that plan accordingly. So it's really about testing and training is a big part of it as well. Um, That's kind of the high level overview for it. I would say.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So when it comes to uh, even executive in particular, but even in general, like I've worked with a variety of uh, MSPs in, in my career, but. Can you talk about the combination of the the human side the the technology services side of of the people you talked a little bit about that earlier, but then I assume you 're also providing some sort of software or technology oversight or some sort of applications uh, to clients um, to help facilitate these things that they that they are doing in their in their businesses? Can you talk a little bit about what that suite of offerings looks like and what things that people might be considering um you know once they've once they've got okay we have our strategy here what does that steady state look like and in, in the things that they would have in place to um to kind of manage that security footprint going forward
1: sure um so you know, it kind of starts with we got we have a, an IT person in our back pocket that we can contact. We can reach out to. We can ask questions of, bounce ideas off of, uh, call us if something breaks. That's kind of the the, the entry level you know point. And a lot of MSPs will give you a stack of software every time you come on board. You get the the stack of software that goes with you. Um, we're a little different. We realize every business is different, so we kind of tailor every business every solution different for each business and industry. Um, in general, though, there's certainly some. Some industry-wide things, or some you know, company-wide uh, things. We're going to recommend uh, MFA backups. Or sorry, multi-factor authentication for everything. That's that is the number one solution to the easiest solution to put in place as far as security goes yeah. to preventing attacks. Um, email, antivirus, uh, firewall. Firewalls are super critical. I mean, if you if you consider that all the attackers sit out there on the internet. And they're coming in through one single point that's your internet connection and that's the point you want to make sure is super secure right so you want a firewall there for sure um preferably a next-gen firewall that's that's kind of extracting all the data and looking inside making sure it's okay then passing it along um patch management is another big aspect because Windows updates, uh, there's updates for everything. Your yeah. hardware, your printer, your computer, uh, the, the motherboard on your computer, uh, even keyboards nowadays have, have firmware <laughs> updates on them. And then Windows itself has all these updates. So you want to make sure those are happening because it's pretty common that attacks happen because someone didn't update a piece of hardware or software and a vulnerability was found later on and attacked and that's how they got in. Mm-hmm. So updates are a big part of what, of what you want to do. Um, other things that we start layering on would be, um, DLP, we call it or data loss prevention. So that's building into email to look for things like a pattern of a credit card, um, or a social security number and watching for things like that. Um, anti-spam is a big part of, of, is highly recommended for every organization. If cause you're using, everyone's using email, give anti-spam. There's another one. Uh, sorry, I'm going to jump around here, but anti-spam is another one where you're probably going to get back what you put into it. Hmm. If I can save the poor busy user from having to dig through 50 more email messages that aren't really for them, then I've actually probably saved money by paying for this anti-spam piece of software on a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, and then we we'll to start layering on things like uh, geo-fencing, what we call uh, preventing access or traffic to and from countries to which you don't do business. You know, if you're not doing business in I don't want to name country names, certainly, yeah. but uh, outside of your current one, then why do you need to have access from those from those external ones? So start blocking email from them, um, start blocking data access from those. That's kind of a really uh, the base set I would go with. Um, and then we can expand it up from there. Cybersecurity can can layer up you know, on beyond that to full 365, 24, seven monitoring. Um, but that that's at least the general uh, to get you started for sure
0: and and that's a great list and that's that whole section is one that we should um you know you should bookmark that and go back to that list because there was a great amount of of insight there i will note too we've had uh cyber focused uh guests on the show before and you can't stress enough, just don't reuse passwords and multi-factor authentication goes a long way. And that's good advice for each individual out there, regardless of your business and your that's like, just do those things. And that will get you a long way Um, to to not having. Uh, the big, the big problems. Um, So this, this whole idea of running it all from the, from the iPad pro is, is also a, a I not to confuse everyone. I'm just, I'm just uh,
1: Let let me add some ones for the folks that aren't going to engage with an MSP or other IT professional. So uh, MFA, please. Just turn that on, turn it on everywhere, put it on your Gmail account, whatever you're using. Mm-hmm. Please turn on multi factor authentication. We have seen it block so much. Personally, I woke up one morning, at, I, I think the dog out at three in the morning. I picked up my phone and I saw this just this wall of attempts to reset my password on my email account, which is attached to my bank accounts and my crypto mm-hmm. accounts. And I had a minor coroner there um, as I scrambled to make sure everything was covered. And because of MFA, it was unsuccessful. So yeah. just please MFA everything um uh use your instincts so often in cybersecurity attacks and incidents someone said well i felt something was off or i thought something was amiss so learn to trust those instincts please because they are often accurate They're your i don't know what you want to call it your subconscious whatever picks up things that we may not consciously be aware of so pay attention to those things um have an external pen test done at least once so that you know what you look like to all the attackers. So uh, an external, call it a port scan, a pen test is probably too expensive, but a port scan is relatively inexpensive. You get one for 45, 50 bucks probably. Um, and it's a, a scan of, I don't wanna to get too technical in this, but it's a scan of your firewall, your external IP that you're facing the internet to see what you look like from an attacker's perspective. It's important you look at that and you periodically uh, audit that to make sure you don't have things open that don't need to be. Um, have a BYOD solution. Everyone's bringing their phones and their, and their iPads and other things into the office. So please have something ready to go to handle those things. So you're not putting people's personal devices on your corporate uh, wireless, um, do a dark web check. So uh, this sounds a little heavy, but, um, have someone check your email addresses or your domain to see if they show up in attacks already out there. So in the in the criminal underground they are selling buying and selling passwords credentials out there mm. uh, they call it the dark web and you want to make sure and there are other companies legitimate companies they're also buying those lists and then you can run your email address against those to see if you show up anywhere so if you know uh, some cell phone company for instance got breached someone stole a bunch of credentials they're probably selling those lists out there these Legitimate companies will buy those lists and then you can run your email address in there to see if they show up and it will report back and say, yes, we see that, you know, back in 2012, uh, your account was breached and here was where it was sold and that kind of a thing. So you can go and change those passwords immediately. Um, If you have an IT group, one of the things, one of the challenges that I see is that IT Teams are often asked to do things that may go against what is best practices in security. So I would encourage, and, and they're often introverts who are not willing to stand up to people and say, that's a bad idea. Please don't do that. So they may not or they may not lack the skills to do so. So whenever possible, allow your IT team to not necessarily say no, but come back and say, maybe that's not the best solution. Can we find a different way to do this? far too often I hear IT teams say, well, they made us do that. I'm like, no, they didn't make you be insecure. That's a silly answer. Please don't do that. <laughs> um, and then have have a breach policy of some kind, meaning everybody on staff, even if you're just a single person, you know what to do in the event if you suspect an attack. Um, who do we call? How do we act? What do we do if we believe we're being attacked or we have a breach going on? So everyone knows, again, it's that Decreasing that time from when we suspect an attack to when someone like me or an IT person can do something about it. You want to decrease that time so the least amount of damage can happen. Um, Lastly, train your users on on email best practices. Grandma's not going to send you an email at 2 a.m., especially not a badly misspelled one, right? So uh, a password reset. FedEx links whatever it may be they're trying everything they can to get you to click on things if you have a flight and it says it's late don't trust the link in your email just type in delta.com or whatever you're going to and dr- and mm-hmm. go there directly but those are some some easy best practices I would recommend for everybody even if they don't hire an IT professional
0: James, this has been just absolutely chock full of great advice for for everyone out there for both, you know, business leaders to technology folks to data management folks to, to people just need to understand some of these things in, in their personal lives. And so thank you for sharing all this wisdom with us. Unfortunately, we're way out of time. <laughs> so, Sorry, <man. laughs> uh, it's, it's, you know, it, it flew by as it often does, but it's, it's awesome to have that Um that information to to give to people. So so thank you very much for coming on the show today and, and sharing that wisdom with everyone else in the audience. I really appreciate it.
1: It's been my sincere pleasure, Anthony. I appreciate your mission out there. You're making a difference every day. And thanks for doing that. Thank you. I
0: appreciate that. Thank you all for joining us today. As always, you'll find more information about our guests and links in the show notes. Go to dataleadershiplessons.com to subscribe to the podcast and check out past episodes and accelerate your journey with training at dataleadershiptraining.com. Stay safe during these unusual times and go make an impact.